Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Biff Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Mee, and this week we're bringing you a pretty cool conversation uh, that Adam had with his friend and fellow financial planner slash CFP, Cody Garrett of Measure Twice Financial. Uh, The two of them sit down to talk about the client onboarding process, uh, data gathering for financial planning, and just really getting to know your clients. Uh, Also, you're going to want to stay tuned because we have a pretty exciting announcement about a scholarship uh, partnership between Biff and Measure Twice Financial that we're really excited to bring to you. So without further ado, here's Adam and Cody. All right, welcome Biff Bites listeners. Uh, it's a real pleasure for me to introduce my friend and fellow financial planner, fellow CFP professional, uh, fellow financial educator, uh, Cody Garrett to the podcast. So welcome, Cody. It's good to have you here. I appreciate your invite, Adam. I'm so glad to be here. Same, same here. And, um, you know, I figure where we could start just the the concise version of how you arrive on this podcast, because I think it's an interesting story. And we've been talking quite a bit lately on the podcast and to our different cohorts at the Boston Institute of Finance and the Bryant program, uh, discovering that we had career changers. and You're one yourself, right? Right. Yeah, I, uh, I went from working on musical records to now looking at financial records. So I had a 10, <laughs> I have a 10 year career as a professional musician. The way I got my CFP, my bachelor's degree for the CFP was music theory, which I'm not sure how it applies, but it worked out. And so, yeah, I have a I have a 10 year degree, uh, 10 year background in professional music, keyboardist arranging. I know Adam, right, with kind of similar to your background, yeah, and, yeah. you know, play, playing playing guitar. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been fun. Again, being a career changer, it's definitely drinking out of the fire hose because the literally as a professional musician, I enrolled in the CFP education program. Wow. Wow. How was that for you? Just just making that switch and did you find it challenging, interesting? I mean, th- tell me about it. Yeah, it was, I guess the word would be exhilarating because I, I have, I've had a love for personal finance even before that. Being a professional musician, I didn't realize that kind of, I was already kind of forced to be adulting <laughs> since I, you know, I, working as a professional musician, talk about wearing different hats. Like you have to be you know, a performer, an arranger, a teacher, like you can't just do one thing typically to make a living. So I actually, it's funny, I, I made about $80,000 a year as a professional musician. And I, most people assume when I went from music to money, they're like, oh, you're doing it to like increase your, increase your, uh, your, your earnings or your salary. And I actually took a pay cut from 80, 80,000 down to 40,000 to become a financial planner because I loved the idea of helping. It's like once I realized that financial planning is First of all, like you, you mentioned, it's a helping profession, right? Mm-hmm. And that like the objective here is to help them align their, you know, their financial situation with their family's unique values and desired outcomes. I was like, I'm in, like, let's do this. So lear- learning every time I learn something, I just saw this as an opportunity getting me closer to helping people, right? And I, I've realized along the way, one of my core values is generosity, which we'll talk about a lot today. Um, but yeah, the, the more I learned, the more I was like, I was so pumped. It's like, it's like when you're, you know, a great thriller that you're watching on, you know, when you're watching a movie or reading a book, hopefully watching the movie because it's a lot, uh, it takes a lot less time than reading the book. Right. But, you know, I, I love like that thrill of like, you have to know what's next. That's how it was for me in the CFP curriculum. I was like, I cannot wait 
to get to the next line of the tax return or get to the next insurance policy, which sounds really goofy or that sounds really funny. But I discovered that the, the opportunity that uh, we'll talk about too is that financial documents tell a story about a family's life. It's not about the numbers, right? The numbers, yeah, you, you can get those right. Those aren't really proprietary. That's not your knowledge. You, like, you, you learn a lot about the numbers, the concepts in the CFP program, but it's through doing financial planning that you discover that um, you're, you're just trying to like, the documents are telling you a story, right? So you're learning about people and helping people. Like that's like, if you like, kind of went 50,000 foot view, that's what you're doing as a financial planner. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to, to kind of step into your planning process. Uh, but before we do that, Let's, let's just queue up a few ways that we know that people are, are doing financial planning out there, right? So um, I think if you're working at a bigger firm, there are, are pretty clear processes, pretty clear procedures on how you onboard clients, the types of information you need, and where you go to from there. Um, I think maybe what you see on the independent channel with, with, with some people is, you know, you have uh, same thing, onboarding processes, uh, how do you bring bring clients uh, so that you're then speaking to them and you have the information that you need. Uh, perhaps you're using a tech stack to help you see different opportunities. Um, knowing a little bit about your background, it sounds to me that you had this really unique opportunity to reinvent a process, mm -hmm. right? At your old firm before you stepped into your independent firm. Could you speak a little bit to that? Because I find it fascinating. Yeah, it's funny. It's a question I ask people all the time when they come into this profession specifically. I say, you know, are you one of these three people, right? So if you come into a new role, you, you, like imagine your first job at a, at a financial advisory firm, right? Are you the type of person who adapts to a process? Are you the type of person who likes to improve an existing process? Or are you the type of person who likes to create a new process? Actually, answering that question really kind of help you determine which route you end up going in the industry. Because some, as you know, the big firms, like the, the ship moves slowly, you're probably not going to be the one inventing a new process. You're probably not going to be the one improving the process. You're going to adapt to their current process. I joined a firm that, you know, legitimately, like the process was like inside somebody's head. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a written, there was no written process. I wasn't actually taught the process. The lead financial planner at the firm left about a year into me working there, like in my first role. So you know, I wasn't really taught a process. There wasn't an existing process. Therefore, I was forced to create a process. So what I did over the coming, you know, uh, working over, you know, over a hundred with over a hundred families creating comprehensive financial plans. If there was nobody teaching me this process, and as you know, there's there's a there's a lot there's there's kind of this like barrier in our industry of feeling like like hey, well, don't tell other financial advisors how you do things because there's this limited belief. It's a false belief that we're in competition. Right. So there, there are like, I could hardly talk to any financial advisor who's willing to tell me what they do. Like, Hey, how do you, how do you, how do you think about, you know, uh, retirement distribution strategies or how do you think about, you know, how do you review this document? Nobody was talking about these things. I, and I think actually less of it was uh, about competition and feeling like our knowledge is proprietary and secret. Like we have the secret sauces advisors more than actually an imposter syndrome that nobody's been taught really how to do it. So we kind of just, we kind of each do our own thing and hope it's the right way to do it. So I, I kind of said, okay, if nobody's going to teach me, I'm just going to, through doing this, I'm going to go even deeper than probably necessary 
to understand like, um, you know, I, I typically review 40 to 50 documents per client, which a lot of advisors like that's a lot of work and I'm not necessarily paid to do that, that, that much work. But um, as a quote, I, I mentioned to you earlier, I believe that to, to give financial advice in someone's best interest, you first have to understand their interests, which means having a comprehensive understanding of both their quantitative financial ecosystem and their qualitative values and objectives as a family. Until you can understand those two islands, you cannot connect them. The connect the bridge between those two things is the financial plan. So I decided, I, hey, I'm going to create a process to gather as much information about both of those things as possible. And then what's funny, by, by truly going that deep, I, I don't have that imposter syndrome of sharing what I do because I know it's provided value to the families I serve. That's great. And just as a side note, uh, can you share with the audience who you serve? Yeah, so I serve DIY investors on the path to early retirement within five years. So this means fam- you know, investors, uh, we, you know, we talk a lot about investors. They aren't just investors. There's 25 topic areas I cover typically in financial planning. Only five of them relate to investments at all. But these are investors who I, I, I say have the time, the temperament, and the talent to click the buttons to make the trades. Right. So, uh, they, you know, they don't uh, my service isn't isn't um, implementing things for clients, you know, including investments. But I um, I teach them what to do, how to do it and why they're doing it in alignment with those values and desired outcomes. Uh, so the DIY investor is somebody who has the time, the temperament and the talent to make the trades. But I help them with what I believe is the most uh, the, the more difficult part, the more valuable part, which is the financial planning to understand you know, we have to understand where we are before determining where to go and how to get there. Yeah. So before they're focused typically on what do I implement, but before we can implement, I help them discover, okay, we're going to gain clarity on where you are. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to, and then I'm going to help you gain, gain the confidence to actually implement those things. So I, uh, I, so I, I do, I do financial planning only, uh, no implementation, which also means uh, for me, I do a three month, three meeting comprehensive financial planning process, uh, project-based planning only. So I do ongoing quote unquote planning, but only when you know families come back to me when, th- when they want to re-engage rather than doing an ongoing uh, monthly subscription. Wow, that's great. Uh, it re- reminds me a little bit of, you know, uh, let's, let's use the musical analogy. Mm-hmm. Being able to and having an interest in writing songs, but going to a professional songwriter for feedback on, hey, here's where you can improve this. I see an opportunity here. Let's let's try cutting to this. I, I think it's it's along those same lines, right? So you're well. It's it's funny that you mention it because as a musician, I was not a composer. I was an arranger. So yeah. to describe to the listener, right? I wasn't great at like creating something from scratch, mm-hmm. right? So, but I was really great at somebody like sharing their composition with me, like something that they created, like you know their 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 existing financial plan, right? Everybody has a financial plan. It's just whether or not it's intentional or not, whether it's, <laughs> yeah. whether they feel like they control some of it, right? So, but they bring their financial plan to me and I help them make it better. So mm-hmm. just as a musician, making a composition better by arranging or, orche- you know, turning a piano piece into an orchestration, I help them orchestrate all the parts of their financial plan. You know, this extended metaphor is, is fantastic, by the way. Because <laughs> the thing is, every, every part of their financial plan, like their investments, their insurance, their taxes, those are all players in the orchestra. We have to make sure they're in tune, right? They're all playing the same piece, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, but, but here's the difference, right? As, as a financial planner, especially working with DIY investors, I'm not the conductor of the orchestra. I teach them how to conduct their own orchestra. 
right? And I, I'm, you know, the, you know, it's one of those uh, building a story brand, that great book. It's uh, I'm the guide, not the hero of the story. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I, I like that. We could keep on going with this. I know we have <laughs> lots <laughs> of musical puns we could talk about. Yeah. <laughs> bringing the, bringing all the finances into harmony with each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's it. Let's, let's just pivot into your checklist. Now, um, you kindly have offered to, to share this with our audience. So for those of you listening, uh, there, we can include Cody's data gathering checklist uh, through a downloadable link so you can follow along. Um, but it is, it is quite comprehensive. We're gonna dive into it a little bit and just highlight a few key areas that I think would be of interest to the audience uh, that are of interest to me. And, uh, and we'll just, we'll see where the conversation goes. But just looking broadly, uh, Cody, I'm just gonna list out the, the major categories without going into the sub bullet points. Right. Uh, but, but Cody's list includes real assets or real estate, investment statements, liability statements, income and expenses, insurance statements, employee benefits packages, income tax returns from the past two years, and then estate documents. So what strikes me, just looking at that, is that this actually does read a lot like a CFP curriculum. I mean, you're covering right. all, all the parts, right? Uh, right. of, of that comprehensive view. So mm -hmm. in terms of the broad categories, do you find um, just, just with, with all of these, are, are different uh, categories of, of more value to you, to your eye? Mm. What's funny, I, I used to think so. I used to think, hey, well, our industry has been like traditionally focused on investments and insurance, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought, okay, well, that might be where I like I provide the most value by discovering opportunities in, the, in those areas. But what I realized, and we'll go a little deeper here, is that I realized like, yes, like you can, you can. Uh, most people when they look at these documents, they look at the numbers and they like you know they they take them. It's like checking boxes. They they take these numbers and they plug them into their financial planning software and press print, <laughs> uh, basically, right? But I discovered that these documents aren't just about the numbers. They tell a story about the family. Right. So what I mean by that, um, you know, I have a few example, examples here, actually a really good one. Right. So a social security statement. Most people look at the first, you know, that page that says, hey, here's your expected benefit at age you know, 62, 67, or, you know, full retirement age and age 70, which, by the way, all those numbers are wrong <laughs> because they, they assume what you made last year is what you make until the year you claim those benefits, which isn't usually the case, especially with the families I serve on the path to early retirement. So. I can kind of like throw those numbers out. Like those aren't even, those don't even really apply. But if I go to the next page, I see their wage history. I see how much they made every year, right? And yeah, that, and what's funny is a lot of people go, oh, well, I can see that they made a lot of money, right? But what's more important to me, this is a, a prime example of, the, of, a, of a story that a social security statement can tell. One time I saw somebody, they were making up for the social security wage base, right? It's you know, 147,000 147, is the social security wage base for this year. So every year I saw that they were like, they were making more than the social security wage base, right? For, you know, for, for Medicare, but they were maxed out for the social security. But then like, it was like, boom, but making a lot of money every year, boom, boom, boom. And there's a year of zero and then making lots of money, like making lots of money. I looked at that, I'm like, wait a minute. Like there was that one year of zero. I was like, is there a mistake here? I looked at the year that that happened and guess what, right? That was the same year that their child was born. So guess what? I go into the next meeting and I say, hey, Darren, it is incredible to me 
that you were t- you were able to take a full year off of work to take care of your newborn newborn child. Right. I'm at, so again, like my my favorite thing to do in meetings is to ask a question or you know say an observation that only means something to that specific person. Yeah. That, you know, saying that to anybody else in the world wouldn't make any sense. But I can say, hey, I noticed in 1991 you took a year off of work to take care of your newborn child. That's incredible. Imagine how that makes them feel. Yeah. Right. To say, wow, like, first of all, you notice, more importantly, you care. Yeah. Right. And yeah. a lot of people go, well, like, that's not really, really relevant for financial planning. But guess what? That is the perfect transition into talking about education funding, child savings, like, you know, estate planning. Like, again, like this, this, this money isn't just about your life. It's for the life of your family and future generations. Sure. So mm-hmm. I believe that the best questions we can ask in financial planning are follow-up questions. And I find the follow-up questions, not just by having conversations, but looking at those documents. So again, social security statement, I used to think, ah, it's not that important, but like that, that, that's one of those like prime examples of like, this is not really about the number. So in every one of these documents, I can point to opportunities like that. One example um, I'll share briefly is on a pay statement, Mm -hmm. right? Most people are looking at various sources of earnings, employee benefit deductions, taxes, are you maxing out your HSA, your 401k, 403b, 457, all the numbers, all the the limits we we learn in CFP program. But one thing we don't learn is to say, hey, I noticed that you haven't, you know, it's November and I've noticed that you haven't taken any days off this year. You're paid time off. You've been paid no PTO this year and you have over half a year of PTO built up. Yeah. What does that tell me as a financial planner, not about their money, but about their physical and mental health? Sure. If they haven't taken a, a day off in multiple years, I'm guessing that they either absolutely love their job or they are grinding it out. They're burned out. They don't even know if they're going to make it to next week. Right. Yeah. What, <laughs> why does it matter? You know, why are we looking at 30 year projections on financial planning software where the physical and mental health of this client they might not even be here five years from now. Sure. Right. So having conversations about, hey, I noticed, again, you don't have to be that dark with it, but you can say, hey, I noticed that you haven't taken any years off, like, or any days off this year. Um, like, you know, and, and you happen in a previous conversation, you happen to tell me how much you love, you know, you love sharing experiences as a family. Right. Like, you know, I, I wonder what, I wonder what, you know, taking, taking three days off of the family might look like. Let's talk about that. And then we can always, we, you know, with me understanding the money part, I can say, I can, I can help them understand how to make that money work for them and how to set up that, that short-term savings objective or whatever it is. But again, financial planning begins and ends with their life. So I, I'm looking for opportunities to talk about their life, not just looking for the numbers. Absolutely. That, that is so important, just in, in my opinion, because I, I hear and I see uh, a lot of people contributing to the knowledge base of the financial planning community and the importance of, of the behavioral side, right? The psychological side, the, the personal side. The accountability, right? Like the yeah. getting things done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and just, you know, about how you could be a gifted financial planning technician. You can get the numbers right. You can have a beautifully crafted plan but the other part of this is the person. And hmm. I think that there, it, it makes sense when you see that out there, right? Oh, of course, this is personal financial planning. But I've, mm-hmm. I've heard of, of people saying, well, well, you know, how do you, how do you learn that? 
How do I, how mm. do I start? This seems like such a tangible place to start is looking for those early opportunities, not to just gather the numbers, as you say, but to mm -hmm. learn about the client from what the information is sharing with you, right? Um, well, Adam, there's this quote I use a lot. Again, you'll hear a lot of quotes from me because I'm a quote <laughs> kind of person. But it's, uh, I, I heard this from somebody that says, the best, way to, the best way to show someone you care about them, right? So a lot of people come to me and say, how do I show my clients I care about them? Or how do I show my mom or my sister or whatever? How do I show this person I care about them? I say the best way to show someone you care about them is to actually care about them. Yeah. <laughs> right. And what that yeah. means to me that the, the phrase I use is genuine curiosity. Right. You have to have a um, you aren't looking at these documents because you have to. Right. You have a genuine curiosity about to learn about these people. Because, again, to truly I mean, I, I say if you want them to look at their financial plan document and see themselves in the document, mm -hmm. if they if if let's say if you took a if you took the, the, the name off of somebody's document and like the kind of the names of each account off of the document, if they can't immediately tell that this is their financial plan, is it really their their financial plan, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I, I really do believe that we, um, you know, one of the core values and core focuses we need to have as financial planners is to have that genuine curiosity. And let's say you're saying, well, I don't really feel that curious about them, right? I, you know, that, that's kind of a deeper thing to go, you know, what, what drove me to, to join this profession Right. And most people say they, they join the profession, not necessarily to you know, make money or make, you know, have a certain compensation model, but say, I, I really want to help people align their, you know, to make good financial decisions and kind of ask yourself in your current role, if you are working as a financial planner, like, is, is your current role aligned with why you join the profession? And just remember that where you are doesn't have to be a permanent, permanent decision of where you stay. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many great opportunities. And in the future, I think there will be a lot more transparent opportunities for you to align what really matters to you and what you really want to do in your role to uh, the, the ideal situation. Hi, everyone. Jerry here with a very exciting announcement. On November 30th at 12 p.m. Eastern, the Biff crew will be holding a free live webinar on starting the journey to the CFP. So if you or a colleague are thinking of pursuing your CFP marks in the new year, you won't want to miss out. We'll be covering the personal impact the CFP has had in our careers, a Q&A with our instructors, what the learning process looks like at the Boston Institute of Finance, and best of all, one lucky attendee will be selected at random to receive free enrollment into Bryant University's online CFP program. Registration is now open at bostonifi.com slash CFP2023. That's bostonifi.com slash CFP2023. I hope to see you all there. Another thing that struck me recently, I think you shared this uh, with uh, on a social platform recently, was that, you know, when we're accustomed on the employee benefits side, right? Mm -hmm. I think when when you hear people speaking of job opportunities, you hear salary, right? It's like salary, you lead with salary. Um, I'm, I'm going to get health insurance, period. Uh, there's, there's a 401k, there's paid time off. And, and that's, what, that's the set of data that I'm going to use to define. Um, the, the quantitative data, right? The quantitative, yeah. like this is, this is the set of data that I have to help inform my decision about whether or not there, this is a good opportunity for me. Right. You pointed out that there's there's a part of your wage statement right on your pay stubs mm -hmm. that that speaks to 
your health insurance in, in a more granular way, just about how much actually that employer is putting in and paying on your behalf for health insurance. Right. right? right. Um, yeah, and, and for families. So by the way, if you want to go deep on the quantitative side, so you're looking at the, the form W-2 that, you know, that they get every year, like a form W-2 box 12 code DD, that's the combined employer plus employee uh, workplace uh, health plan, you know, contribution or premium. And then when you look at the pay, if you look at the last pay statement out of the year, right, you can see how much the employee contributed. And most employers are contributing, you know, for a family plan, sometimes over $20,000. Wow. If you don't, again, if you, if you, if you don't look at your pay statement, right. And you only look at your, um, you know, you, you just don't look right. You're not going to realize that that's a true form of compensation. And one kind of one thing we can uh, certainly add on to that is you, you, you're talking about how when people think about getting a job, they, they review the, the job description that says, and you know, all the benefits. And that's really what you're focused on at that point is like financial and all the benefits. But it seems that none of these job descriptions actually say who you're going to serve and how you're going to serve them. Yeah. Right. And you, you kind of don't, yeah. some, if you don't ask that question, you kind of find out hopefully in a positive way, you know, once you start working in the job, you realize, Oh, this is actually who I'm serving and how I'm serving them. And maybe that's a, that's a great question for you to ask. If you're thinking about joining the profession, ask the question, Hey, in this role right, or working at this firm, who will, who will I be serving and how will I, be, how will I serve them? Yeah. And I think like if the boss, if the boss doesn't know the answer to that question, they'll start asking that of themselves. <laughs> and yeah. if they do know the answer, they're going to be really impressed that you care. Right. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's so important that you know who you're going to serve in your role. This is all really great stuff, Cody. I have a couple more bullet points I want to, I want mm -hmm. to speak to. Uh, in our programs, uh, since I lead the tax planning segment of our education and I'm our in-house tax person here at, at the Boston Institute of Finance and, and Bryant uh, CFP program. One of the things that I tell people that are studying to do earlier uh, in their studies is print out these tax forms, get familiar with the types of information that are captured and where they're captured, because we're gonna add depth to this Mm -hmm. And uh, what I tell them for CFP purposes is know the flow, get the points, know the tax flow, <laughs> get the points, because you can, yeah. you can start visualizing where this stuff lays out on the form 1040. I, as a side note, I feel like um, with, with more self-prepared types of tech um, that the, the, the art of doing it old school and, and doing, you know, paper handwritten, like my mom used to <laughs> is, is kind of going by the wayside, but, um, it's super valuable. And you have here income tax returns for the past two years, both federal and state and local returns. Mm -hmm. um, how does the information there help you to understand the people you serve in a more comprehensive way, in a deeper way? Yeah. So um, I actually have a, we'll share a link to this as well. So Measure Twice Money is my blog that I write. I write kind of how I find these opportunities, but I write them to, to non-advisors, like to consumers. And uh, it really, just like you said, like, you know, know the, uh, you have to understand the tax formula, right? All income sources, exclusions from income, adjustments to income, AGI, standard itemized deductions, QBI, you know, taxable income. I'm looking down the list. I don't have this memorized off the top of my head that quickly. You know, uh, uh, the tax rate, you know, uh, um, non-refundable no, tax credits, refundable or non-refundable, total payments, right? So again, going down that formula, kind of to, 
certainly. Um, so some things to think about, right? Exclusions from income, right? So, well, first of all, kind of how I think about budgeting as well. A lot of, thing, a lot of people think budgeting starts at the bank account. And a lot of people think that taxes start at the tax return. But there are things that are not on the tax return that you have to get from things like the W-2. So we talked about employee benefits as well, right? So for example, um, the you know, HSA contributions, you know, there's an additional benefit of contributing to an HSA through your payroll than there is paying from outside of your payroll because it, it avoids the 6.2% social security up to the wage base or you know, in the 1.45 for Medicare on, on the employee side. So let's say that you have, you, know, you have an adjustment to income and HSA contribution, you can go to 8889, you know, you can go to that other form, right, on the tax return. And you can say, hey, like, I noticed this is a quantitative thing, right? I've noticed an opportunity that, you know, you've been contributing to your HSA, you know, you have until the tax deadline in April to max it out for the previous year. And, you know, hey, there's an opportunity that where you, you could actually contribute more and save more taxes by doing it through payroll versus outside of payroll. So, you know, when you look at an opportunity like that adjustment to income, that's the quantitative part. But the qualitative part is talking about this is very fascinating to me is, hey, you're, you're contributing to an HSA. Therefore, you're enrolled in a high deductible health plan, HDHP, which guess what is going to have typically the, the deductible is going to be really high, right? High yeah. deductible. And the deductible and, the, and the, the max out of pocket are probably going to be the same or, you know, very, you know they're both going to be high. So let's say if, if insurance isn't going to pay anything until you pay, let's say, $12,000 a year for a family deductible out of pocket max. Um, you have to say, hey, I, you know, since you have a high deductible health plan, how much money have you? How much money per year are you contributing to um, to go to the doctor, for, like to you know to focus on physical health? This is one of those things again where mental, physical, so physical, mental, spiritual, relational, financial wellness is all related. Mm -hmm. So when I see that somebody has a high deductible health plan, yeah, there's a great opportunity to you know max out the HSA, invest for long term growth for qualified medical expenses, but it also says most people with a high deductible health plan avoid going to the doctor at all costs, literally at all costs. They say, I'm not going to go to the doctor unless I'm dying. Right. But that it goes back to that, that case you made earlier of just like the PTO. Like if you're choosing the high deductible health plan, so you can max out an investment opportunity, but it's keeping you from going to the doctor to do like, you know, beyond preventative care of like checkups and Hey, I've, I've had this lump for a while. I guess I'll just I'll go to the doctor when it's it's less expensive to go, right? Like, yeah. like yeah. It's there's a lot of people making decisions for the sake of investments and you know tax opportunities without thinking about the implications for their life. So that would be one opportunity. Again, that's just I mean, that's just one from exclusions from income. But the same thing when you talk about standard or itemized deductions. Here's here's kind of the last thing I'll put here is that let's say that they're giving to charity, right? You can tell on their tax return, they're still filling out the, you know, the form to talk about all the charities they're giving cash to, but they're not able to exceed the standard deduction typically because they don't have a mortgage or a really low, low rate mortgage. So they're not itemizing their deductions. The quantitative part is saying, hey, there might be an opportunity for stacking those contributions, donor advised funds, or hey, if you have any you know, appreciated securities in a taxable brokerage account, let's give that to charity instead of your cash, because mm -hmm. at least you're going to avoid those future you know, realized capital gains. That's a big you know, year in tax planning opportunity that we're doing right now. At the same time, it's not just about, you know, stacking contributions, but you can say, hey, I've noticed that you give to this charity, right? Like, I like, tell me more about why you, why you give to this charity. So by doing that, you're going to realize more individual values and the values of the family. Like, you know, 
the, the things that, you know, and it's funny, a lot of people don't just give to charity because, oh, I like what they do. They're going to give to charity because there's some type of like historical background there, mm-hmm. right? They're going to say, I give to this cancer charity because my sister died from cancer. Yeah. Right. Like that's something that I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to go into a meeting and say, hey, has anybody in your family died from cancer? Like, you know, that again, that's not a question that's specific to them. But when they say we give to this, this, uh, we give to this, uh, this charity for, for, you know, for fostering or adoption, they say uh, that's because we adopted our kids when they were two years old. Mm-hmm. So those are those opportunities that you can talk about the future of that. Hey, there might be some scholarship opportunities for adopted kids here, right? Or there might, again, you can always get technical and go quantitative, but until you understand again their, their life story, uh, it's really hard to find opportunities that another advisor can find. And it's not about competition, but if you ask this, if you ask questions that no advisor has ever asked them, they will literally say, nobody's never asked me that before, including the best thing that happens in a financial planning meeting is when one spouse or partner says, I never knew that about you. Wow. Yeah. Right. So for you, for you to find opportunities that the family doesn't even know about each other, just by looking at a tax return that shows, that shows the client that you care. And also maybe the client is going to be become more interested in looking at their own tax return moving forward. Cause they're like, wow, he found that. Like I should probably look at this stuff more often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, just great stuff across the board here, Cody. And it's though I, you know, I, I, I know even more about how you use this stuff from um, following what you do in the social space and knowing you. Um, I know there's, there's plenty more we can get into here. One of the things we talked before we went live with this uh, episode was the fact that you have all of these broad categories and sub bullet points. And from a, a very basic uh, planning goals place, right? It seems to me that this could be a really fantastic opportunity for clients to bring their documents together in one place. I think this is mm. just a good get your financial household in Mm -hmm. order, right? And this lends it so nicely to, I'm going to have a real assets folder in, in, Mm -hmm. you know, in my drawer, I'm going to have an investment strategies and I'm going to have my statements there. Um, I think it it can be difficult because, you know, you, you get, you get to to the adulting phase and you're getting (laughs) bills from everywhere and some e-bills and some paper bills and, how do I get this all together? This just seems like a really nice organized template mm. to bring all the pieces together. Yeah, I, I think that's, I love that you mentioned that. A lot of, a lot of even people who hire a financial advisor, they go in thinking the value is going to be the advice or the value is going to be the, the implementation, mm-hmm. right? And I've, I've received that, that feedback so much from clients. Like, this is the first thing we do. Like, you know, after they pay the first half of the invoice and sign our, our mutual agreement, the data gathering, you know, data gathering checklist or, you know, or the organization process, they go into it thinking that like, like, oh, this is going to like, I cannot, like, I'm going to have to bring together all this shoebox of stuff. This feels like talking to my tax repair. Uh, first off there, I think people say, how do you, how do you, people ask, how do you get, how do you get clients to send you all this stuff? Like, isn't that like hard? Like, isn't that just like too much work for them? Aren't they going to be like, ah, never mind. I don't want to do financial planning because that's a lot of work. And I think it all depends on the language we use. I say, I am so excited to learn more about your family through the, through the review of these financial documents. When the, when the client understands that 
you need this you need this information to give them quantitative advice but you like but you you're also like you have once they know you have that genuine curiosity to you know to really care about these things they'll be, they'll gladly hand them over to you they'll be like yeah. uh, and but I, but like you mentioned it is it's so amazing how many people say after they give you all their data they're like wow like like it was also an opportunity for me to like like i you know i had forgotten my password to get into you know that my 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 pay my pay statements or my employee benefits right i had i forgot like and this was an op- also an opportunity to like you know create you know better passwords you know, you know whether it's you know for confidentiality purposes and people go wow like i feel like again everything in their life financially is like a squirrel that's running around and i always say like let's corral the squirrels like <laughs> and then so so what we do is we, we Again, choose your 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 your, uh, your your pesky animal of choice. So you know the the squir- So we corral the squirrels all into one place. Yeah. And the way I say this is, you know, in terms of their money, every every dollar needs a job and a use by date. Most people, their money is everywhere. They have twenty different accounts, ninety nine mutual funds, right? Like ninety nine mutual funds on the wall. Like I guess they had seen that on you know, as a family together, right? But they bring all this stuff together. Again, n- not until you under like have clarity of what of what you have, can you have the confidence to move forward with what you have. So uh, yeah, mo- so many clients say, like I like I thought this I thought like the process of bringing this together would be like treacherous, mm-hmm. but it's provided so much clarity. And for the I don't like this phrase the the non financial spouse. I believe both spouses are. There's no financial spouse versus the non financial spouse. You know, one might like spreadsheets. But that doesn't mean the money doesn't matter to the other person. Sure. So, but the kind of the the one who doesn't look at all the logins and the spreadsheets, they have a lot of clarity too, because they go, hey, like I don't look at all the bills, I don't look at all the statements, but I know where the I don't I know where to find them now. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, this so this can valuable. set up that how valuable is that? That I mean, I I know of people out there that we've helped through their education or that I'm just connected to whose entire practices are built around serving widows and widowers. And what mm. they shared is that if, if you have the quote unquote non-financial spouse that, that, mm. that is the widow or the widower, uh, that, that a huge part of this is just mm. this, this basic organization. This is what this, this, this does. This is how this fits in. This is what we're going to need from you. And yep. it's part of, part of the battle. I mean, the grief is, yep. is, I'm sure overwhelming and leaves mm-hmm. you lost, but it's, it's this, I would imagine would help make that if it were to happen uh, a lot easier to, to navigate. And, yeah. And a big part that I share with everybody, I, I really kind of plug, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, you know, just, you know, mindfulness. And I really believe, you know, my definition of, of anxiety is the fear of future uncertainty. Mm-hmm. If you just break that down to the fear of uncertainty, most people are scared and worried about money because they don't understand it. They, they don't understand where they even are, right? So again, there's we can't be certain about investment and inflation returns for the next 30 years, which just happens to be kind of the certainty that our industry likes to sell, mm-hmm. right? But the one piece of certainty we can sell, right? And not, not, you know, not even focus on selling, but serve. We, we can serve by providing clarity about where they currently are financially. And that starts with them gathering and organizing. And yeah, when, when people organize this, they go, wow, like I, like I was so anxious about my money because I, I thought that it would be like beyond my comprehension. 
But once you bring it together and they and they get to a point of having their own clarity and understanding it, they're like, wow, I, I just received, uh, I shared it with you earlier, I received an email from a client yesterday that, that said, after the meetings with you, I always, we always feel so at ease. And they joked, is this financial, is this financial advice or finance or therapy, right? <laughs> they, they feel like going through this doesn't just give them financial advice to implement, but it gives them peace of mind. It's not even the peace of mind of like, I, I have the peace of mind that I can retire because I have enough money. It's the peace of mind to know, like, we actually know what's going on about our, our money now. Job well done there. And, and job well done yeah. with putting it together and, and thank you for your generosity and, and sharing this with our listeners. I, I know our listeners uh, and a lot of them just share a passion for financial planning and learning. And this is, this is gonna help them see, this is the, the scope, right? Of, of mm-hmm. possible things that can add value to those important client relationships. Um, I'm gonna use this as a springboard to give a, a, a plug to something that you've launched, uh, which is called Measure Twice Planners. And my understanding is that you're in the process of putting together educational videos on how you read each one of these documents and how that then plays into the the broader planning engagement. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about that. Right. So as you mentioned, I created a financial planning process from scratch because I didn't know where to start. And all I had, I had access to eMoney, the financial planning software, but I was like, well, yeah, I know how to plug numbers into eMoney. I know how to print the numbers on eMoney, but how do I even find the numbers? How do I even know where to look for the numbers to put in? Right. Yeah. Um, so as I developed, um, you know, I, most financial planning clients, again, Advisors laugh because I say, you know, most financial plan documents that I work with with clients, like it's typically a 40 page document and people are like, oh gosh, like you're that advisor who's just printing off like 40 pages of useless information, but not one of those pages comes from financial planning software. Wow. Those are all my own templates and calculators, right? So I've, I'm, I've, uh, I'm, I've developed 75 video course lessons, um, you know, showing how I look at every financial document. How I discover opportunities for deeper conversations, and of course, the financial planning—you know—the technical opportunities. That includes, you know, I have retirement savings calculator, social security savings needs, uh, pay statement calculator, things like that. All Excel-based. You don't need planning software to to become. You don't need planning software to be a financial planner. And also, a financial planning software is not a financial planner. That's not what people hire you. People do not hire you to have access to e-money or right capital. So. Uh, I do. I really believe in that. So measure twice planners. When I shared with people what I do, how I do it, people said, I would like, can you show me, like, can you mentor me one-on-one or show me how you, you know, create a financial plan? So measure twice planners, it's helping new financial planners or even financial planners currently in the industry who don't have a, have an intentional process, right? Uh, I help them develop a, fi- a comprehensive financial plan um, beyond, of course, plugging those numbers in the software. Um, so 75 video course lessons, calculators, um, and then also, of course, in those video lessons is how I find all of those quantitative and qualitative opportunities within within each document. So the official launch of that will be in March of 2023. Uh, one exciting thing, this is really exciting in terms of collaboration with the Boston Institute of Finance, is um, a part of every membership uh, for Measure Twice Planners, that fee goes to fund CFP education scholarships. 
So for every 30 members of Measure Twice Planners, we fund a full ride CFP education scholarship through the Boston Institute of Finance. By the way, Boston Institute of Finance is not just, you know, not just taking the scholarship money, like they are collaborating in this core, core value of generosity by, like they're making this scholarships go way further by providing a substantial discount through Measure Twice Planners to do this. So literally this month, so this is November, 2022, by the way, if you're listening, <laughs> right? So right now we're, we're giving away as a community. So 337 financial planners have collaborated to give 11 full ride needs-based scholarships to start at the Boston Institute of Finance CFP education program in January of 2023. And we plan to give over 20 scholarships per year, uh, you know, probably 10, maybe 10 or so scholarships. Again, it just, the more people that are members of Measure Twice Planners, the more we can give, but we're looking at giving at least 10 scholarships per semester. So we're giving 11 scholarships this semester. Uh, the link for that, by the way, if you're an aspiring financial planner who wants to you know, go you know, become a uh, certified financial planner and serve families differently, it's uh, measuretwiceplanners.com forward slash scholarships. That will be the link for this application this month and also future applications. So go ahead and just, you know, even if you might be joining the CFP program or wanting to, but have a, you know, a need for financial assistance moving forward, go ahead and go to that website and fill out the form so that we can contact you in the future when there's, I, I really, I mean, I hope that, I mean, lo, you know, long-term impact of this can be massive. And I think this will also, uh, I would love for financial planners to pay it forward, whether not just through Measure Twice planners, but I think that this will kind of encourage people to start their own forms of generosity, uh, you know, kind of beyond themselves as a financial planner. Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate to be partnering with you on this, Cody, and, and thanks to you and your Measure Twice planning community uh, for just the opportunity to, to be a part of this. I mean, we are, we are fiercely dedicated here to financial education and doing it mm -hmm. well and, and, and being, you know, accessible to our students and mm -hmm. keeping it personal like you do on your side and in your practice. Right? <laughs> um, uh, keep finance personal, right? That's that's your tag. Right. <laughs> right. So we're we're just looking forward to doing to to doing good work and and supporting this next generation of CFP professionals that's going to go out there and do the good work. Um, now, for this particular cohort, when is the application deadline if they're interested in submitting an application for consideration? So, so the application deadline to receive a full ride scholarship to the, the beginning of January cohort through Boston Institute of Finance, the application is due by November 30th, 2022. Um, so yeah, November 30th, uh, but you know, keep in mind, even if you're listening to this after the fact, each semester we're going to be announcing this. So the next, you know, we'll probably announce the next round of this uh, in March of 2023 to start the May, the, the May cohort. So um, yeah, so this application right now is November 30th. Again, this is needs-based, right? So uh, regardless of what background you come from, like, you know, diversity, inclusion, otherwise, uh, this is for people who, let's say that you have, like, you want to, you want to join the CFP program, but you're thinking, oh, well, you know, I need to save up some money, like, maybe I'll start next year, a few years from now, because, you know, $4,000 or so, you know, every program is typically around that, you know, $3,000 plus, it's, you know, it's, it's a big chunk of change to drop down. So if you're thinking, hey, well, you know, that $4,000, like, I might, 
I might be able to pay for that maybe a, a few years from now. We want to fast track you. We like we want you into the profession maybe one year or two years even earlier by giving you a needs based scholarship. Um, so don't. So regardless of your background, um, inclusive, you know, um, diversity, inclusion, financial assistance, apply. And if also if you're not chosen, if you're not selected by our scholarship board this round. That doesn't mean you know. I get this isn't a permanent decision. Uh, we're gonna even if we say no, we're gonna say yes to you somehow. We're gonna provide opportunities to you. Uh, we're planning on giving future discounts or even free trials to Measure Twice planners because we want you to to succeed, and we don't want we don't want financial. But you, it's kind of like those colleges that say, "Hey, like we'll figure it out. Like you got in, we we'll figure out a way for you to do this." So um, I really do believe that we're going to help you in some way, whether or not you get a full ride scholarship this semester, a future semester, or simply are just provided more valuable information from a place of generosity moving forward. Well, thank you, Cody. And I'm going to give a, a, another plug, uh, not only for people that are interested in this scholarship to go to measuretwiceplanners.com uh, backslash scholarships, but uh, one of the groups of CFP students that I've been pitching Measure Twice Planners to as of late are career changers that are preparing for their CFP exam. And the reason for that is CFP board expects people to be sitting for the exam with three to five years of applied knowledge. And for as hard as you can study, and I know that that you were in this situation, I know I was in the situation where I had to make up that gap in actual real life experience, uh, hands-on by working a time, by time and a half in my studies, right? And, and right. broadening my, my studies beyond the books that I, I had for my program. Um, this is a fantastic way for people to get a glimpse into the real financial planning work when this launches. Uh, also for people, that were unsuccessful in this attempt. I brought up Measure Twice Planners in a call that we hold after every cycle for people that did not get the preliminary pass on their exam because they often say, well, what can I do in between cycles that can help me get a deeper understanding to strengthen up my foundations? And I think Measure Twice Planners is gonna be a wonderful fit for people that want to see this knowledge, but in, in a real application setting, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so right. it's on a conceptual and we're talking about real life applications. So uh, congrats to you on launching this and thank you again for your partnership on this scholarship. I know we're excited to welcome the students into our program. Um, anything else you wanted to share before we call it a wrap here, Cody? Yeah, just that, um, let's say that you're not applying for a scholarship but you're interested in just kind of going deeper, going beyond the basics as a financial planner. Um, the again, as I mentioned, uh, March 2023 is when the official launch of Measure Twice Planner is gonna. Uh, that's the, the that's the launch when you can binge watch like 75 video lessons and just drink out of the fire hose again, right? Um, if you want to sign up to receive updates about that email, you know, no spam, unsubscribe anytime. Um, I'm only gonna be sending emails that you know, talk about this effort. Um, you can go to just MeasureTwicePlanners.com. Uh, simply fill out your name and email address, and you'll be notified. You'll be the first one to be notified uh, when we, uh, you know, before the March, the official March 2023 launch. By the way, that's going to be the cost of that uh, to be fully transparent. 
it's going to be $549 a year. You know, cancel anytime. Uh, it's going to be an annual subscription. But $49 out of the $549 goes directly toward this scholarship effort in collaboration with the Boston Institute of Finance. So uh, we want the core value of generosity not just to be, you know, for me, I want this to be a community effort to give back and to give to the future of the profession. So if you want to join in the generosity uh, by becoming a member, even at official launch, you'll also be contributing to the scholarship fund. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Cody, for your time, for your efforts, uh, for your generosity uh, and support of our listeners out there in, in sharing this, this valuable checklist and giving us some different ways to think of these data, different data points and, and forms. And we will share this, we'll share the scholarship link with our community and hope that we have some more people that are eager to learn more about your process and about the items on this checklist and financial planning applications broadly and want to support that that next group of future CFP professionals. So thanks again. Absolutely. Yeah, well, teamwork, teamwork makes the dream work. I'm excited to, right. to be here collaborating, collaborating <laughs> with you. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, take care and we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thank you.